Come on, just open our Bible now. I want you to come with me into Luke 10. And uh, I started the message, didn't get very far on it, but we'll see if we can do a bit better today. And uh, we're looking at fig leaves and other Christian coverings. Weird things we do in church that make us uh, hard to relate to. And uh, we're just going to read in Luke chapter 10. And, uh, and Jesus has been asked the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, well, what do you reckon the Bible says? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God, verse 27, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've got it. You've got it. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. In other words, that is a passionate, expressive, dynamic relationship with God. And he says, it doesn't finish there. You love your neighbor as yourself. It's one big package. It's one big package. Loving God fervently, passionately, and then overflowing to express that and represent what God is like to people. And, uh, and this is the core of it. Now listen, notice this, that if you're going to love anyone, you have to connect meaningfully with them. So if we're going to love God passionately, we must establish a connection, a vital connection with Him, a prayer life. Uh, act of faith, believing, reaching out to him, talking to him, listening to him. If we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, we need to actually connect with what's going on in our life. A lot of people are unable to love and express love well to people and help people and enter their life because they themselves have got too much junk, too much unresolved stuff. And God is wanting us to get cleaned up, not just so we can be better people, but so we can have greater impact in the lives of others. He said, love your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor unless you connect with them by entering their world. If we're going to fulfill what Jesus said is the great command where everything in the Bible is summed up and we're going to love them passionately and then begin to love people, we have to learn how to connect into their world, how to reach out to them. That's why Jesus told the story to illustrate what he meant. And uh, you know the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to go through it all. I just want to pick up one verse in it. I think it's verse 27. It says, Because the religious man, the priest, had gone by, saw the man in need, desperately wounded, desperately broken. He looked, and he was aware there was a problem, but he would not get involved. The Levite, he also went by, came over and looked at the man, saw him cross the other side, would not get involved. Now Jesus is trying to speak to the church of his day, and the same way he's trying to speak to the church of today, that not getting involved is not an option. You notice what he says? He talks then about the Good Samaritan. The Samaritans were despised, and he's painting a picture of himself as the one who was despised. He was despised because he connected with people, connected with sinners, connected with tax collectors, connected with prostitutes, drug. He connected with broken people, and his critics' main criticism was he hangs out with the wrong kind of people. For most Christians, it won't be said of you that that was true. It's truth, because once you've been in church for a little while, you begin to forget the lost, begin to forget the people who God has sent us to reach out to. And Jesus then talked about this man, and it says this, I don't take any further than this, and I want to go into Genesis 3. And notice what the man did, it says, he saw him, his heart was touched and moved. Here is a man who has the heart of God. The heart of God is for people. God loves people. He loves the world. 
He loves Hastings, loves Napier. There may be many things wrong, but God still loves the people that live here. And this man was moved by the plight of the man, went to him and entered his world, found out what was wrong, and did what he could to minister to him. Listen, Jesus told this to illustrate that this is what the heart of God is like. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. Spiritual maturity looks like going to people and bringing the love and the compassion and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and pouring it into their lives. That's what spiritual maturity looks like. It doesn't look like you prophesy well. It doesn't look like you do all kinds of church things well. That's family business. But it looks like you go to people and you help people who desperately need help. That's what spiritual maturity looks like. That's what the heart of God looks like. That's why Jesus told the story. I just kind of feel to hang out in the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm just getting so much from it. So what about these two, the priest and the Levite? Well, they were the church of the day. And the church of the day walked past the broken, the needy, and the wounded and would not cross over and be engaged in being part of the solution. The church of Jesus' day had the Bible, had the promises, had all kinds of things, but they did not have the heart of God for broken, damaged people. And so Jesus told the story to actually confront what the church of his day was like. It was not connecting to those who desperately were wounded, who were wounded and desperately in need of healing. Why is it we need to learn how to move in the Spirit and prophesy and operate in the gifts of the Spirit so when we engage people in need, we have something to give to them? Why do you need to get trained to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, so you have something to pour in to people God is sending you to? God is sending every believer. Every believer, God sends us somewhere into this community to influence people. And to do it, you have to enter their world. So what about these religious people? They had too much hang-ups and things in their life. And so they did not catch the heart of God. So what I want to do is I want to go now, have a look. They, they actually hid away from being involved with the broken. They disconnected from the broken. And I want to just touch on that for a couple of weeks. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3 and uh, pick up this whole theme of fig leaves. I want you to see something about the fall. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, after Adam and Eve had sinned, before they, before they sinned, they were, they, they were able to relate freely one to another. Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And so they did something. They sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves up. They became conscious of something. They became conscious of themselves. There was no self-consciousness before then. No shyness before then. No bad relationships before then. They covered themselves with fig leaves. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walk in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Now I want you to see two things in there. Number one is they put on fig leaves. In other words, they covered up what they were truly like. They covered themselves and withdrew from intimate connection or heart connection one with another. 
a consequence of the fall is a struggle we have in being genuine and authentic and connecting with people just as we are. We tend to want to cover ourselves up, put on a good front, an image. But God is not interested in image. He's not interested in fig leaves. He's wanting you to be authentic. He has a provision for you where you don't have to cover up your life. You can live an authentic life, and authentic people are able to connect with others. People who are covered up and all of their life is damaged, broken, and they're living with most of their life covered cannot enter into close relationships. Notice the second thing they did. They hid. They hid. They avoided connecting. When God came, they avoided connecting. So what they did was they constructed a world in which they could control their connections. They began to control how closely they got to one another. They began to control how closely they got to God. They tried to control their world and avoid getting near to anyone. Now, here's the problem. When we cover ourselves up and draw back from intimately connecting to save ourselves and control our world from being hurt any further, this is what happens. You become lonely. Church is full of lonely people. And if you're lonely, the problem's right within you, and the answer's right within you too. And it's not about anyone organizing something for you. The problem lies within us because of what we have put to cover ourselves from living authentic relationships. The fig leaves, I'm going to try and identify some things that we do. We do some stuff in church. Every church does it. You'll probably recognize somebody. You might like to tick a bit off, and then you can actually say, well, Lord, perhaps, perhaps I can abandon my fig leaf. Because the problem is, see, God wants to make a provision for you. God is a Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. God makes provision for our lives to be restored and made whole. There's only one uncomfortable hitch. That is, you've got to take off the fig leaf first. Or is there any other way? No. They go, oh, anything but that. Anything but letting people know or letting God know what I'm really like. See? But God wants us to be authentic. He's not worried about mistakes, failures, things you've done wrong, anything that's gone wrong. He's not worried about bad attitude. He's not worried about any of that kind of stuff, to tell the truth. The devil just leaps on your back and accuses you, makes you think God's upset with you. He isn't. He loves you. He loves you while you're a sinner. He sent Jesus to die on the cross. How much more with anything you need now, he'll provide. But you see, Adam believed a lie. He thought God's going to hurt him, so he hid from God. Now, how can we actually invade the world if we're hiding from God and hiding from one another? How can you fulfill your mandate in the world if your life is covered, concealed, you're hiding your life, and you're not free on the inside? How can you do it? Well, you'll try to do something, but it won't ring authentic. And people are looking for authentic. People need to see authentic. Authentic doesn't mean perfect. Authentic means you blow it once in a while, but you know what to do when you blow it. You know how to be upfront and talk about it and get, put it right. Say, I'm sorry. That's a good word, I am sorry. The hard words to say those ones. Be surprised how hard it is to get it out of people. They choke rather than say it. But it actually helps. It's very helpful. Okay then, so they become lonely and isolated, right? So now notice the difference now with the Good Samaritan. The religious people wouldn't engage the man's world. The Good Samaritan did. And this is what Jesus is pointing out, that when we become connected to him, 
He begins to grow us and change us and help us mature. And the evidence of maturity is our capacity to enter the world of those who are lost and broken to help them and love them. Will that hurt? Too right it'll hurt. Will you get knocked back? Too right you get knocked back. Will people misunderstand? Oh, yes, they will. But aren't we called to follow Jesus Christ, not the Pharisees? We're called to be like the good Samaritan, not like the ones who crossed the road. How many have crossed the road? Come on. Yeah, we've all done it sometimes, crossed the road. Sometimes I've crossed the road when I saw some Christians. They were that, they were that bad. I'd prefer not to talk to them because they were so weird. They were. When the, you don't know how weird it was when we first arrived here, man. There was some shocking stuff going on downtown. The weirdness plus. I can remember someone standing up preaching the gospel. Yeah, and I thought, that's great. I'll go and talk to him. He didn't want to talk to me. I thought, what kind of weirdness is that? Then some others were there blowing trumpets, doing some weird stuff. I, I crossed the road. I didn't want to say. They were an embarrassment to everyone. Caused most of the preaching of the gospel out in the street to stop. Such an offense. That's not how you win the world. So you win people. You've got to be wise. To win people, you've got to be wise. You've got to allow God to work in your life and develop authenticity so that you can enter the world of others and not put them off by religion, not put them off by weirdness, but actually engage them so they see you have something they really want. I was talking to some teachers while I was away in Singapore earlier this year, gave them some strategies how to change their classrooms this time when I came back, there, several of them came up. I've got to tell you, Pastor, it's all been changing in my classroom. The, the quality of, the, uh, of everything has gone up since I began to change what I was doing. Before they were complaining about the kids, I just showed them how they could deal with that. Okay then, so let's have a look what we do in the, in the church. We've got some amazing things we do in the church. So let me just f throw a few things out. Because if, if we're going to become whole, it helps if we actually see what it is we do that covers up our life. And probably, this is not for you, this is probably for the person next to you. So do give them a jab if you believe this is for them. Tell them they need to go to Lynn's Restoration Retreat or come and get delivered or something, but whatever. You know, there's a lot of loving and hugging there. It's, it's really good. It's good for you. So I don't know what I can handle that. Well, you need to go then. Okay, so, here's a, so let's have a look at some of the... Now, here's the first thing that a lot of Christians do, is we substitute ac activities, we substitute activities for authentic relationship. We just get busy doing stuff. And so we do church stuff, and now we feel real good because we're doing stuff for God. Well, it's right to serve the Lord, it's right to do things for God, but God wants an authentic relationship first. He puts relationship over uh, doing. Doing flows out of relationships. So some people do stuff. And in church, we've got a whole range of weirdness of our own. You can't believe it. When you hear some people talk, you haven't got a clue what they're talking about. It's very spiritual. Too spiritual for me, I can't understand. Neither can anyone else. So how does that help anyone? It doesn't. It's just a fig leaf over someone who's broken on the inside. It doesn't help. And so church is full of these kinds of things that we do. We get very, very busy and serve, 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 and help. And that's right to do serving. Help, but we don't neglect our relationship with the Lord. Uh, other times we have kind of like God talk, you know, and after you've, after you've done the God talk stuff, people think, whoa, boy, I don't know much. 
man, I don't know anything. So think about that. If people walk away from your God talk and they feel that they actually don't know anything and nothing much, you're projecting pride and ego and they're feeling put down. This, this is not good. This is hardly, not the way to win the world. This is the way to weirdness. It actually totally removes you from the heart of God. So we have to look and guard that how we talk, how we connect, how we communicate, what we do with one another actually genuinely and authentically connects with people. Oh, oh, I know it's not, you know it's the other one beside you, isn't it, eh? And, uh, and of course, exaggerating uh, what we've uh, had. Now, experiences in God are necessary. We can only share with people what we have experienced. We have to have revelation of God. We must have experience of God. But our experience of God is to lead us to represent Him, not to make us look important. It's so, it's so very, very modest. So, and then, of course, the other thing is we, can very, uh, we do in churches, we just apply bits of the Bible we like so we don't do the other stuff. Now, I'm really going to hammer this one on the Good Samaritan because I know this is one people don't like. See, we like to go to church and do the ministry, but actually ministry is about serving people. It's kind of like this. What can I do to help you? It's not complicated. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help people. But you do actually have to be authentic and have some skills to enter their world. And if we're broken and we don't have the skills, our, our impact is limited. So why do you need to grow as a Christian? Why do you need to develop? Why do you need to grow? Here's the reason why. So you can enter into a deeper relationship with the Lord and you can represent Him better to people and have greater impact with people. So if your life is broken and the only people you can connect with are Christians... You should do something about it because you're, you're sidelined and irrelevant, irrelevant to what God is up to. Well, think about it. That's what the Pharisees and religious world were like in Jesus' day, irrelevant to the nation of their day. And Jesus showed what a man full of the Holy Ghost does. He gets involved with people that people don't like and get upset about, and he ministers to them and, and upsets them as well, and all kinds of stuff. So let's have a look and see if we've got some, you probably know someone just like that, but I know it isn't you. Here's another way in church we've got, here's another little thing we do in church. We divide our life up into natural and spiritual. Now we've got an amazing ability to do that. This is this compartment. That's the God bit. So Sunday's the God bit. The rest of the week, well, I've got to go out there. So we come in on Sunday and we sing, oh, oh, thank you, Lord, for your wonderful love. And on the way home, we curse on someone who cut us off. What's all that about? We come and all oh, praise the Lord, all I have, I surrender all. And then during the week, we're trying to rip everyone off and, and we're just as sharky in business as anyone else. No difference. Hey? Oh, we, we come and we say, oh, Lord, I love you. And then we go home and, and then berate the husband for his weakness. And we're convinced we're doing God a favor. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and so that's dividing your life. And listen, God wants to come to every part of our life. You say, well, listen, if you're going to survive in the business world, you've got to be tough. Is that right? How are you doing then? You see, one thing that's happening in the world now is the world's getting a great lesson on how greed and corruption is, is actually doesn't work, inherently doesn't work. Okay? But integrity and, and service, it does. 
Let me think about that. See, the principles of God work. The problem is we've got to learn how to live in a world culture and be able to represent God's values in there without being religious. And one of the values of the kingdom is service, excellent service. Right? Well, think about this. So, so when we divide our life up and, well, we keep God for Sunday, but the rest of the week it's kind of we just got to get on as usual. Listen, that's not, that's one of the clever coverings we make for the fact to hide we are not authentic and we are irrelevant. And for the church to have impact, it must actually break through these mentalities, put off these coverings, and find ways to actually connect into and touch the community we live in. That's what the Good Samaritan did. He had the oil and the wine. Yeah, but you can have the oil and the wine, but if you can't talk to people, they're not going to want your oil and wine. Got to find ways to bridge into their world and enter their world and find ways of serving them and help them. Man, I was impressed this last week. They had these T-shirts. You ever seen that thing, iPhone, and they've got an I with a big dot on it and phone afterwards, or, you know, they've got I and it's information. They had I serve. Well, that's good, wasn't it, eh? In case you didn't understand what that meant on the back, they had, can I help you? Okay, because we don't always get it, do we? Eh? Okay, here's another thing people do is, is uh, in churches, we, we hide our emotions. Hide our emotions. I, I get really excited. I cry in church. I cry when I'm in the presence of the Lord. I get excited when I'm in the presence of the Lord. I dance when I'm in the presence of the Lord. And if I can't dance, I feel a bit, that wasn't a very good service. Didn't sort of get happy and expressive. See, so, and, and part of the problem is we don't understand that our emotions and feelings they are part of how God has designed you. He's made you to be a feeling person, made you to be an emotional person. You are created in the image of God. He has feelings. He gets angry. He is loving. He has compassion. He has mercy. He has joy. He dances. He's got all of these emotions, and he gives them to us as well. So... We need to know what to do with the emotions. And there's a right. How can you love the Lord with all your soul if you don't include your emotions? You try and love your wife passionately. I love you. It looks, there's something wrong with that picture. The words sound okay, but it's more, it should be like the Italians. Oh, I love you. Now, now that's more like it. Now we've got the expression and the warmth and the hands and... Whoa, this, hey, now it's, that looks more real. So, so emotions are part of what God has given to us. In John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. He openly expressed his emotions. He cried. He rejoiced. He was angry. He was stirred. He was grieved. He had all kinds of emotions. He was lonely. <laughs> he was burdened. He had many emotional experiences, and we have them too. If you're a human being, you will have all of those things. You will have sadness and happiness. You will have uh, times when you're puzzled, disturbed, lost, don't seem to know where to go, feel heavy, struggling. This is, this is being a human. But sometimes we think when we get into church that all that will just change. And so we get into a church culture and then well, we're not authentic anymore because now we're trying, oh, praise the Lord, brother, praise the Lord. All going well. And you know that life's, guys, life's falling apart. Absolute mess. And, uh, and we, we just bury all the grief, bury all the feelings and try and control the emotions. Well, when you do that, you dishonor yourself because God gave these things to you. 
Now, we're not to be controlled by our emotions or led by our emotions. We're to be led by the Spirit of God. But to be authentic in your relationship with God, you must identify what you feel because it tells what's going on in your heart. And if you're going to talk with God, you've got to talk from your heart. I feel, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I, I just am so sad. I feel overwhelmed by this thing. We've got to learn to be authentic with God. Authentic with Him. David was like that. Poured his soul out. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. And there was a weeping as he, as, he, as he talked about the reality of his life and he just expressed it passionately to the Lord. And after he'd expressed his emotions, he was then able to stir faith. But if you don't express your emotions, it's very hard to access what's going on inside your life. So often in church, people control emotions, shut things down. Oh, you shouldn't feel like that. Oh, should, shouldn't I? I guess not. My inside, I feel very angry. You shouldn't feel angry. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. But it's translated, you shouldn't feel like that. Well, I'm sorry, but I do. I feel really ticked off. Now, I don't mind telling you. You understand? Now, that's more authentic than saying, oh, praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> Going home, you know, like cats when you annoy them, like that. And that's what some people are like on the inside a lot of the time because they don't know what to do with their emotions. Can I tell you I'm angry? Can I tell you I'm really depressed? I'm not sure, so I'll hide it. Can you understand? So it requires an environment where it's okay to be human. It's okay to be human human being, not a human doing, huh? human being, has feelings. So, you know, you see me up here, so oh, praise the Lord, you don't see me other days. Okay? But there's emotions and feelings and things that are poured out to God and struggles and, and, and trying to work out what to do, trying to listen for the voice of God when there's so many other voices. This is reality of life. So if we're going to be authentic, it doesn't mean you're a perfect parent. It doesn't mean you're a perfect husband. In fact, I've known people were attracted to the faith in a Christian couple because they saw them have an argument and they saw them make it up. They said, I want some of that because that, that is accessible to me. But being a perfect little Christian, that's just, oh, you're weird. I can't, can't relate to that at all. And that was the problem with the Pharisees. They were sort of perfect. Dressed right, went to the right places, spoke right, paid tithes, prayed, did blah, 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 blah. But Jesus said, oh, you're like a painted tomb. There's bones on the inside. Corrupt all the way right through to the core. Nothing authentic. See, so God wants you to be authentic. To be authentic, well, there, there are some days, oh, where is God? Some days you're struggling. Some days you're doing well. That's actually what the Christian life is like. But in the middle of it, we can express our feelings, our struggles, our concerns to God. We hear the voice of our heart. We begin to understand our beliefs and what's happening. We can begin to receive encouragement from the Lord. He desires truth in the inner parts. So it's not you let your emotions all hang out everywhere, <laughs> all over the place. No, there's appropriate places. But in worship, we should be able to express our joy, our freedom, our 
Kalinda was amazing. Kalinda had a, she had a back condition, really in pain, didn't want to come to church. Came to church, then got dancing and got healed as she danced. Now that's what faith will do to you, understand. In, it doesn't mean you ignore your pain. It means you're actually in the midst of it. Do you express faith in God? Okay, another thing that goes a bit like that is, uh, is uh, you know what Adam said? I, I was afraid and so I hid. So the other thing we do is we tend to hide our weaknesses. Now, this is a funny thing, hiding weaknesses. The interesting thing is that a person is very, very, very difficult to relate to if they're a perfect person. I don't find perfect people easy to relate to. You become conscious you seem to be leaving a mess on their floor. You've been into some houses like that. And it almost feels the moment you walk in, You've started to bring a mess with you. And you know when, if you eat anything, you know crumbs are going to get on the floor. You just know you're going to spill the cup. There's tension all the time you're there. You get out and you're exhausted, just trying to behave right. It's hard to relate to people like that. Real people make mistakes. And they make them most every day of their lives. That's what real people are like, including me. I have a great message of grace. The reason I've got a great message of grace, I've made so many mistakes, I've desperately needed God to help me. And the grace I've got comes out of being so grateful God forgave me. I had a very big heart to forgive people because I've been forgiven much. You understand, it's, it's like God doesn't call us to be perfect in our behaviors. He calls us to have a heart that's right, perfect heart towards Him, responsive to Him. You see, this thing of trying to look good, act good, perform good, and be a goody-goody two-shoes Christian, and then try and make your children the same. Well, that doesn't go down well at all. If you, one, they'll either rebel against you, in which case you've got a battle on your hands all the way, or two, they are compliant, but inside they're rebelling. They're saying yes on the outside, but inside they're standing up. And one day it breaks out. (gasps) Where did that come from? (gasps) How did that happen? Well, you've just shut them down all your life. See, we, we've got to watch that we, we give grace and space for our children to actually be normal people who make mistakes. And funnily enough, in some families, some kids are really nice and real easy. Really easy. Some kids are really soft, really easy to train. Others are like, where did this monster come from? How, what did I do in my last life to deserve this? And the rest of the church, oh, ta 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 there must be something wrong. Yeah, there must be something wrong with your parenting. They've got no idea what struggle's going on there with a strong-willed child. And while you're raising them and trying to deal with them, you're aware everyone's looking, looking at you, looking at the goody-goody kids, like that. And while you're struggling with that child, you remember that you were just like that when you were growing up. And the full circle of life has come around. And you are reaping what you've sown. And everyone can see it now. <laughs> I can remember with one of my grandchildren, I looked into her eyes and she's very little, and I said, oh, you are going to have some fun with this one. She is just like you. And I'm thinking, oh, 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 it goes round. <laughs> but this is, this is all part of life. You know, there's no perfect families, no perfect people, no perfect will. It's a messy, 
beat up world with all kinds of sin and problems, and grace is what changes it. And so we have to receive grace for ourselves if we're going to give it to anyone else. Get the idea? I'll give you a couple more that we just winded it. <laughs> Get the idea? So consenting, covering up. Okay, just another thing which is related to it, which people tend to do. In Luke 9, 23, you've heard the scripture. Anyone anyway, be my disciple, he must deny himself. <gasps> Lynn, you would have had that scripture. Take up the cross. You. <laughs> And so what happens is you already had a low esteem and now it just got worse. Now I'm a nothing, a nobody, and you're struggling, never good enough. And the problem is we often uh, give up the wrong things in church, <laughs> give up the wrong things. And what happens is we bury the gifts of God. Now listen, God put in you desires. Desires in you can be very evil. Desires can you be very good. The desires God gives are very good. He puts desires in your heart. He puts dreams in your heart. He puts gifts in your heart. So don't bury the gifts. Don't bury the dreams, desires, longings, yearnings, the goals. Don't bury them all down. Don't bury your life. Don't bury the things that God says these are valuable. I, find, I look in the church and see so many people, the goodness in them is all buried because they're so burdened over all the things that are wrong. Listen. The things you put aside and the things you bring to the cross are pride and arrogance and independence and haughtiness, all that kind of stuff. But listen, the dreams, desires, longings, gifts, this is part of who you are. You have to call them forth and connect with people that will help say, boy, you'd be good at that. Otherwise, our, 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 we have a covering over our life and no one sees what we really are or what we could be. Church is to be a family where Sons and daughters are encouraged to step out and do stuff, try stuff. And if you make a mistake, well, good on you, you had a go. You can't exist in a culture where you can't have a go. Just have a go. I've had a go for years. You know, almost everything I've learned, I went somewhere and I had a go, tried it out. All the things I learned pretty well in the supernatural, I developed in, I went somewhere else and I practiced and had a go. I thought I can leave and go home and there, you know, <laughs> and took risks. Took terrible risks, but it's helped me grow. See, so, so, so here's another couple of things, and then we'll, we'll just finish them. I'll just finish these. Here's a couple of goodies that, that Christians cover up. One is we, we cover up our background and, and won't admit that our background is affecting how we live our life today. Cover up our background. Now, listen, if you think about your background, your background is about how you were raised. It's the values you got, how you thought about money how you thought about family, how you thought about conflict, how you thought about emotions, how you thought about anger and handling anger, how you thought about handling disappointments, how you handled uh, success in life. You, you, most of the values you have, you, they were formed as you grew up in your family. And of course, we grow up in broken families. We, we need to face the reality that a lot of our thinking is wrong and needs to change. And the only way you can do that is being willing to let the Holy Ghost help you resolve your past and to bring revelation truth about how you live your life and become effective. So I need to be willing to face. I've had to face things. I'm still facing stuff. It'll never stop. It's just a journey of walking with God and layer by layer. He opens our life. We face things that are painful. We talk with Him. He shows us the truth, and we begin to move on with our life. It's a journey. It's okay to be on that journey, but don't just pretend that your family was perfect. Don't sort of say something like I heard someone say when I was counseling, well, I've moved on. 
That's my past all behind me. It's at the cross. He said, well, you seem to have brought a lot with you. And it looks to me like it's all just happening, just like it was in your family. Helps you to have a think about how you saw things in your own family and how they're happening in your family right now. Chances are they're the same, unless you've actually been healed in that area and allowed the Lord to bring truth to you. Last one is, is the issue of conflict. <clears throat> one of the big issues that is a problem for us is the issue of conflict, handling conflict, and either spiritualizing it away or hiding it away or putting it under a carpet or hoping it'll die. But it's usually like cancer. It just spreads. It doesn't get any better. And one of the areas that Christians have to learn to do is how to engage one another when there are differences and learn how to enter into places where there are conflicts. It's not easy to do that. And we're going to share a session just related to that at some point on how Jesus, interestingly enough, stirred up conflict wherever he went. What he did was he demolished the false peace by exposing what was really happening. And when he did that, it made room for change to take place. In some places, he actually said things that provoked out to the open and created a huge conflict. So life has got lots of conflicts in it. And in church, we're not good at that. I know for me, uh, growing up, conflict was a, a thing of tremendous emotional pain. It was an evil. You don't have it if you can avoid it. But actually, you can't avoid it. You need to engage it. That's the truth. But sometimes we need to be healed in order to do that. If we're going to go out and have effect in the community in a greater level than we have now, there will be conflict. And if you're unwilling to enter into it, you'll be at a great disadvantage. You'll be beaten up, spat out, and you won't, you'll say, evangelism's not for me. I think I'll just carry on down to the church and I'll cross by the other side of the road and I won't be bothered about getting involved with those people. It just hurts too much. So God is calling us to grow up emotionally, spiritually, become mature so that we are empowered to have greater impact in the community. So one and the other go hand in hand. As you go to the community, as you touch the lives of people, you become aware of what's in your life and you grow. As you grow, you do it again and try different things. Listen, we're living in a great hour worldwide. We were just at a conference, 20,000 people. And I looked and I saw every province in China was represented there. And I realized I had personally trained every one of those people in how to move in the power of God and bring God to people. And even though times have been very difficult, you see what impact you can have. Thousands can be impacted, or just a few, or just one or two. Whatever it is, we can all make a difference in someone's world. But let's not have a look, tut, 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 and cross to the other side and go to another church meeting. Let's make a decision, God, I want to grow in my maturity emotionally and spiritually and I want to be engaged in reaching people that need you. I present myself to you to do that.